0: This week, Father Paul explains how the biblical author uses the Hebrew terms asa and bara to establish the finality of God's work. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. I mention here quickly, as a first feature, the expression let followed by a verb, which is all over chapter one. This is in Hebrew called the jussive command. It's the imperative for a third person to do something. Okay, we don't have the word let in Hebrew for those who know Hebrew. You have a jussive form of a verb. And this is throughout Genesis 1. So, already to the hearing, the whole chapter is brought together through this let. A second feature, the same, the way we have let all over the place, applies to the verbs denoting making, asa in Hebrew, which is basically make, do, six times, or Creating, which is the verb bara, and I explained it as making functional, five times in Genesis 1. So between the two, we have 11 times. In the wrapping up passage of Genesis 2, 1 through 4, alone, four verses, asa occurs four times and bara twice. So already, to the ear, it is obvious that it is the conclusion of this whole chapter. And if you add together the numbers, it would be ten times asa and seven times bara. The overbearingness is unmissable I mean you cannot miss that especially if you add that mainly God is the subject for both except for verses 11-12 where twice it applies to fruit trees making fruits the first time with the divine command and the second time their action being the result of the divine command which means even this Asar linked with the trees is rooted in the command of God that they do that. Let me read them for you. And God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants, yielding seed, and fruit trees, bearing fruit. Notice the English uses the word bearing And earlier you had made, there is no way you're going to connect these two. But in the Hebrew, it is the verb making fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind upon the earth. And it was so, then the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing here, making fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. the intention is obvious to stress the vegetation's activity as being independent of the sun and being rather the immediate result of the divine command because the sun appears in the following day whereas the trees started producing before and then it's very clear from the previous verse that this production, doing, making fruits is rooted in God's command for them to make fruit. As a footnote here, it's very important to notice it that the verb bara in the qal form, in the basic form, in the Bible has only God as subject. And this would allow me to make my comments later, but for the time being, I wanted to add that. See, Asa, no, it's a general verb, but bara is specifically linked to God. It is worth noting here the parallelism in connotation between Asa and bara ...because people make a big deal about it... uh, ...which parallelism is reflected... ...in that actually to the hearing... ...you have a parallelism. But then here I'm bringing... ...another backing to that... ...that the Septuagint translates... ...both into the same verb... piun, which is make do... ...whence we have poet, a person that produces a literary product without any artifact, the way an artisan does. It's like out of his mind. He doesn't have pieces of Lego. P.E.T.S. P.E.T.I.N. Petis maker is precisely the term used of God in the Nicene Creed. And lately, you know, especially in the Greek archdiocese, they are making an effort to change maker into creator because, you know, orthodox theology love to stress the difference between the two. But the Septuagint doesn't do that. But still important for me that the Hebrew has two verbs and there is a play on that, actually, bara, on its own, is used in the title, Bereshit, Bara, Elohim. Okay, all this is important for us to realize. But as a totality, Asa and Bara together, it's 17 times. And you have a concentration of four times and two times in the first verses of Genesis 2. Still, this interconnection between chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 can be heard in the original Hebrew, and let's hear it again. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all his work, which he had done in creation. Hebrew sounds created in order to do it. You have bara, lu'asot, connected together. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in their having been created, in the day that the Lord had made the earths and the heavens. So the full conclusion of this subsection in the last two verses... Chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, you have the two verbs together as one action twice mentioned. And that is another example that I use to ask the people to submit to how the author is presenting it. without the footnote, oh, let me tell you what the father said about the creation. No, no, you don't need that, they came later. Cappadocia, for the Orthodox, was not in the picture. Well, at least Alexandria was in the picture, but Cappadocia was not in the picture. So very important, these conclusion were the two verbs. So let me put it again this way. In Genesis 1, one, you have only bara. Let's forget about the Septuagint. <laughs> okay. And then later, throughout the text, you have bara, asa, bara, asa. And then these two are combined at the end. So the Septuagint translator, according to me, it's the same people, you know didn't have any trouble to use a piece in at the beginning. But then, you don't go to a Greek dictionary and say, "po poet, epi, no, 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 no. You have to hear it the way it was rendered in the original. Irksato otheos began to do. But began is interesting because it links it to Genesis 1.1 in the beginning. God bara. So he translates bara or the notion of bara into Irksa to began and then uh, again it happened. So I think it's very interesting in that on purpose he uses two different verbs to reflect as much as possible the original where you have bara, with Pio. But again, as usual for me, the Septuagint is a reference just to make sure that my hearers understand that it helps us to understand the original better. It helps us. It's not a reference. A third feature is overbidding the superiority of bara over asa by pointing out that the first means create versus the second as meaning simply do or make, does not cut it, since the result would be to demean the human being versus the fish in the first creation narrative. Because the fish are created, whereas although man, and we shall discuss later was created bara, but the original decision of God was, let us make the man. Okay, so the overbidding does not come of our decision to make an issue. It is the way a word is used in its contexts, between bara and asa. Another feature the totality of the divine world, which means the word that God made, and its oneness are underscored through the extremely high incidence of all or every call in Hebrew. Seventeen times in fourteen verses, between Genesis one twenty-one and two three, that's impressive. You keep hearing all or every. You know the English splits between the two, but the Hebrew has call, as also in Greek in this case. And to top all that, one hears the verb kala. To finish, to complete, to fulfill from the same root as call, twice in a row to describe God's fulfilling all his work, which is Mulaka and I shall comment on that later. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. Okay. Waikulu. The verb kala and all the host of them were called sobaam or sobaam. So you have Waikulu were called Then verse two and on the seventh day God finished his work. Let's hear it in Hebrew and finished. God, on the seventh day, his work. Notice how finished and finished appear in Hebrew at the beginning of the statement. And then at the end, although at the beginning of verse 2 we have he finished his work at the end and he rested on the seventh day from all his work call so you have twice finished and twice call in verse 2 then in verse 3 so God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all his work which he had done in creation again this done in creation is very funny but let's hear the Hebrew Asher bara Elohim le'asot he barad if you like created in order to do which is very funny okay so in the last two features I stressed the interconnection between Bara and Asa. And in the last one, I showed how this applies to the entire work. So going back, especially when you get to the two verses that deal with the human being, God says, let us make, and then three times you have the word Bara. And earlier you are hit, and I'm going to get back to all these points. That he creates the first time you hear the word bara outside Genesis 1 1 is with the taninim, the sea monsters. Yuck. See? And the last feature finally, in order to underscore that everything. The whole, W-H-O-L-E, the all is accomplished, at least on God's part. The author concludes his narration of God's activity with the statement, and God saw everything, Hebrew, kol, that he had made, and behold, it was very good. That's the only time that we hear very good and not just good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a sixth day. Very powerful. So God's finished his work. So in Genesis 1 and the first verses of 2, God behaves, and I think, what's his name? Alfred Hitchcock learned from him, where he appears at the beginning of his movies, he has a cameo, and then disappears. Nice, nice. There you go. Something like that. Now it's your turn, young man, to see what you're going to do with that. Very impressive. One hears about all call that God made Asa on the one hand and that God saw and it was very good and not just good as in the case of the previous days. That is, what was done by God. Cannot be topped or added to. It's done. Let's go back to Hitchcock. When he appears in the cameo at the beginning of the movie, he is already done with his movie because that's what you're going to watch. God is fully satisfied with what he did, and thus nothing can be added. Okay, that's why this whole fallacy about understanding a new heavens, a new earth, as though it is a new world, does not fit scripture because in the case of the flood, we are reminded that you have a continuation through Noah and his sons and their wives that were before the flood and after the flood. Notice, as I mentioned in my earliest podcast, one of the features of Noah is that while the others, and this is repeated later with Shem, so before him and after him, the separation in the life of the one human being is his having begotten his first son and the rest of his life. Whereas in the case of Noah, It is before the flood and after the flood. Impressive. So, here again, the text is important. And you cannot say, well, uh, this first son applies to everybody. First of all, the text does not say that Noah had his first son. He said he had three sons. So, already that's different. But how do you separate his life? the number of years. Either you know that, and if not, you should know that, hearer, that it is before the flood he lived so many years, and after the flood he lived so many years. And all this, friends, is important to hear what the author is trying to tell you. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.